time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Monday, September 21st, 2020. Thank you so much for joining us today whenever you're listening to the Get Home Safe podcast. A lot of fun things ahead this week, a lot of great interviews, great stories, great subject matter, but I gotta say right off the bat, happy birthday to my father, David Hersema, 66 years young today, September 21st, 1954. My good old dad, Dave Hersema, 66 years old. Happy birthday, dad. Hope to see you very soon at some point today as we uh, celebrate another birthday of yours. Um, you know, a few things off the bat. I remember your 60th birthday. It was a great time. I remember your birthday last year, actually, as we went out to the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. We went to a Rams game. It was supposed to be the Rams uh, coasting to a 4-0 and uh, victory, really, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Unfortunately, the Tampa Bay Bucks, under the leadership of Bruce Arians, uh, really dominated the Rams and won that game and started <laughs> really a Rams three-game losing streak. And, uh, you know, it was just very fitting when I took my dad to the first Rams game he had been to in 25-plus years that the Rams were dominated. Uh, and, uh, yeah, basically a huge backfire for me taking my dad to a game last season. But this year on September 21st, we celebrate my dad's birthday 66 years young, 1954. My father was born, uh, September 21st. And it's in that, it's in that song by, I think it's earth, wind and fire. And I could be wrong there, but if I am, I apologize. But the 21st of September, my dad, David Hersma, happy birthday. Hope to see you uh, later today and looking forward to celebrating with you, dad. Uh, every birthday is a celebration. And, uh, yes, I just thank you for so many Great things you've done for me over the years uh, as I move forward here on the Get Home Safe podcast. Well, guys, there's plenty of things to talk about today. It is Monday, September 21st, as we've already mentioned. Uh, I do got to say right off the bat, you know, if, if you're not a UFC fan, I understand it. I wasn't really a UFC fan for a long time. Uh, but on Saturday night, Colby Covington uh, beat Tyrone Woodley in a, a non-title fight, and it was very entertaining. It was very exciting. There was a lot of drama to it. Um, if you haven't kind of read up or seen any articles or videos regarding what happened on Saturday night, I encourage you to go look it up. I encourage you to go look up Colby Covington. Colby Covington, I should say. Um, th there's a lot of backstory, really, to Colby Covington, and yes, I know he's a huge, you know, Trump supporter. He wears the red hat. He's he's very vocal, right? Um, and if that's not your thing, that, that's fine. But but I do got to say that Colby Covington is very vocal. He is who he is. He lays it all out there. He's he just kind of like, hey, this is who I am. This is who I support. 
And you know what? Honestly, I respect that. I really do. I, I liked his post-fight uh, news conference. I liked everything he said or most of the things he said, really. And and, and I just think that in, in today's age of 2020 that uh, a lot of people, including me, over the past few months kind of kind of you know protect ourselves or kind of we're really um cautious in some of the things we say but but uh, but I really respect Colby Covington for for him just kind of coming right out saying who he is saying who he supports uh saying things how he sees uh them playing out he he really just says it how it is in his eyes and uh, I can truly respect that so best of luck to Colby Covington moving forward uh, one of the most intriguing UFC fighters for sure. Uh, he has the support of the current president of the United States. He has uh, a lot of things to get through here with UFC and a lot of different fights. Uh, but I will say this. He's very entertaining. The last time I saw him fight, my brother Sam and I were in Dallas. We were in Dallas in December of 2019, and we were watching Colby uh, Covington the night before uh, – we went to the Dallas Cowboys, uh, Los Angeles Rams football game. It was a Saturday night. We were watching Colby Covington against Usman. Uh, Usman uh, beat him that night. Uh, Usman was the better fighter that night. Um, but that's that's been a few months now. It's been nine months, basically, since we've seen that fight. And it was also later that weekend that the Dallas Cowboys beat the Los Angeles Rams in Jerry's world as Sam Hersema and I were present it was a good time, one of the best experiences of my life, I can honestly say. And I look forward to going not only back to Jerry's world world to see a football game uh, in Dallas, but but just to uh, just to really experience that again. I, I I told Sam actually on Sunday as we were watching some NFL games, really like, man, you know what? I, I'm I'm happy we went to Jerry's World first. We saw, uh, you know, the Dallas. Cowboys Stadium first, uh, but at the same time, I'm a little bummed out because I'm not so sure that uh, that we're gonna see a better stadium, a better atmosphere than uh, we saw our first kind of trip going out together as brothers and just to kind of follow our Rams and and see some see them on the road and see some uh, unique experience. But uh, you know, and moving forward, it's gonna be tough to top, but we're gonna try to do our best. Uh, but I got to tell you guys, if, if you're not a Dallas Cowboys fan, you guys got to go to Dallas and check out Texas Live. Check out AT&T Stadium. It's one of the best experiences you are going to uh, have in your life, whether it be football, or any sport, really. Just uh, being there, experience all, experiencing all that. It was just a tremendous experience and one that I will never forget. Uh, speaking of the Dallas Cowboys, I think they're – Comeback really was the storyline on Sunday, uh, being down to the Atlanta Falcons, who jumped out early, really, to the uh, Dallas Cowboys in Jerry's world. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons took an early lead over the Dallas Cowboys and, and really just kind of kept piling on uh, on the Cowboys. And uh, a lot of fans who were on Twitter were really commentating and saying that man, the Cowboys, this is awful, this is terrible, this is the this is the worst thing ever, you know, uh, over and over again. I believe the Falcons jumped out to a twenty six to three lead. I could be wrong there, um, you know, give or take. But uh, basically, the Dallas Cowboys they uh, they they kept 
they kept the faith. They hung in there. They uh, just kind of chipped away. You know, they had a lot of adversity early on. They had turnovers. They had uh, a couple of missed fake punts. And the Falcons really could do no wrong early. And the Dallas Cowboys looked uh, honestly like a JV team. And and they uh, the, their fans, their Twitter followers, uh, everyone who was commenting was just losing their absolute mind thinking that this is terrible 2020 as if the year couldn't get any worse. And the Dallas Cowboys are just uh, really sucking it up here for uh, all the Dallas Cowboy fans. Personally, I'm not a Dallas Cowboy fan. I don't like the Cowboys winning. I love seeing kind of their misery as they're the self-proclaimed America's team and everything. Um, I don't believe that. I I do respect the Dallas Cowboys for who they are. I respect all their Super Bowls, uh, this and that. But honestly, I, I enjoy seeing the Dallas Cowboys lose um, on Sundays like I think a lot of other people do. But the Cowboys did rally. They were down, but they were not out. They rallied all the way back um, with uh, an onside kick late from former Ram Greg Zerloin, a great little spinner uh, that uh, was recovered by the Dallas Cowboys. And then um, the Cowboys drove a little late. Zerloin ended the game on a last-second field goal to upset. Well, I shouldn't say upset, but to to beat the Atlanta Falcons. After the Falcons led big, the Cowboys rallied to beat the Atlanta Falcons 40-39. to Just an absolute uh, crazy, great game. Probably the storyline of the NFL Sunday. And I bring it up only because uh, our guest today is Danny Cortez. And Danny Cortez is a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. Um, we we had an interview recently, and you guys are going to hear it today. I didn't break up anything about Danny and his Cowboys losing to the Rams uh, in week one because, you know what, honestly, that's not how I operate. I, I love my Rams. I, I love when they beat the Cowboys or the Raiders or the 49ers. Those are kind of the teams I dislike. But you know what, Danny's a good friend of mine, and it's not in my nature to kind of bash my friends or to bash on my teams. And yes, Danny could sit there and say, oh, the the Cowboys have won five Super Bowls or whatever. But honestly, it's not in my nature to bash my friends when my team beats their team. I just kind of nod my head and I'm like, hey, my team got you, uh, got the better of you today and you'll probably get them next year or whatever the case may be. That's just how I operate. I know a lot of other people are all about social media and Facebook and everything and bashing ah well um, we you know we uh, that's my favorite we we beat you and it's like we we you don't look through a face mask you don't have a paycheck that says the team name on your on your uh you know on your paycheck like stop it there's no we so that's me and i'll and i'll continue to say that here a lot during football season i think as we move forward but uh yeah the the storyline of sunday was definitely the dallas cowboys coming uh from uh you know really from the from the from the ground really and being from from the grave and uh coming back rallying and uh, Dak Prescott Zeke Elliott you know Zeke Zeke had some good yards but Dak Prescott really rallied the team and uh, beat the, beat the Atlanta Falcons after having a very big lead uh, outside of that there was really no other huge storylines for the um, NFL on Sunday, uh, the Chiefs and the Chargers. That was a pretty good game. The Chargers uh, took the Chiefs to overtime, but the Chiefs uh, upset, or not upset, but uh, the Chiefs beat the Chargers in overtime with a last-second uh, field goal here in overtime in SoFi Stadium, uh, which was the inaugural game for the 
Los Angeles Chargers. Yes, that's still very hard to say. And then, of course, the Baltimore Ravens beat the uh, Houston Texans pretty soundly, 33-16. to 16. Uh, some, some good games on Sunday, some good storylines here and there. But ultimately, I think the biggest storyline was the Dallas Cowboys. And I know our guest today, Danny Cat, excuse me, Danny Cortez, was very excited about that. Uh, even though we interviewed Danny a few days ago, Friday night actually, and didn't really chat during uh, the um, games that occurred here on Sunday. But I know Danny was pretty happy seeing his Cowboys win the game especially in very dramatic fashion. So uh, congrats to Danny and the Cowboys. Definitely stealing the show on Sunday in week two of the NFL action. Uh, well, I mentioned Colby Covington, guys, and if you haven't had a chance, please go look him up. Uh, just a, a rock star and a guy that has the uh, the president behind him. He's very supportive of law enforcement. He called out LeBron James, which I absolutely loved. He called out kind of woke athletes and telling them like, uh, hey, you guys might make a bunch of money, but uh, you know you cannot alienate law enforcement or the military. Uh, those are people that make this country great. And if you're going to continue to do that, well, you better check check yourself really in moving forward. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about today, which you know, with all this NFL talk, I think is a little different. But um, Josh Donaldson. Um, is a major league baseball player and <laughs> Josh Donaldson plays for the Minnesota twins. He's been around. He's played a long time. Um, I'm going to try to pace myself here because I saw that he was ejected uh, on Saturday. Um, and well, let's see here. What day was that? Well, it looks like Thursday. Excuse me. Josh Donaldson plays for the twins and he was uh, ejected on Thursday. And what was interesting was that Josh Donaldson, he took uh, in a tie game, a tie game in the sixth inning, he took a pitch that he thought was outside. And if we're honest, it was, it was a little outside. Um, he took a pitch outside that was called for a strike. Again, the game was tied uh, two to two at the time. And the pitch was called a strike just outside. Well, Josh Donaldson voiced his opinion. He said his piece, but it was it was he was pretty vocal. There was no there was no doubt about it. Like he was very vocal about his displeasure with the pitch. Well, while he was voicing his opinion with the plate umpire Dan Bellino, the manager of the Minnesota Twins came out, Rocco Baldelli, Rocco Baldelli, and he came out and uh, just kind of made sure his guy wasn't ejected. And uh, kind of argued, but it wasn't really an argument. You know, he was just kind of standing up for his guy. Well, uh, in this sixth inning, uh, the very next pitch, Mr. Josh Donaldson homered to left field to uh, give his team the lead. And uh, obviously a home run, RBI, you know, all the glitz and glamour that comes with that. Well, as he was coming towards home plate, he kicked dirt over home plate and he kind of stared down the plate umpire, Dan Bellino. Well, Dan Bellino, who's a veteran umpire, he said, I'm not, I'm not taking any of that. And he threw him out. Now, as Donaldson, who knew what he was doing, uh, was ejected, he just kind of jogged back to home plate, or excuse me, towards uh towards his dugout, his first base dugout. And he was just excited that he hit a home run. He broke the lead. And um, 
you know, he was, uh, he was happy that he hit a home run. Didn't care really that he was ejected and uh, went back to the dugout. Well, I have a few things to say about Mr. Josh Donaldson. Uh, first of all, Josh Donaldson has been a problem in Major League Baseball for a long time. And he's your typical uh, kid, we'll say, who always uh, complains that people are just out to get him. You know, it's funny to me that certain players um, are always in trouble. They're always in trouble. And, uh, you know, it's just everyone's out to get him. I'm sure you guys listening have kids. I don't have kids, but I'm sure you guys, some of you do. You have kids, and and maybe you have two or three kids, and some kids are maybe more troublemakers than others. Well, Major League Baseball, there's definitely guys who are bigger troublemakers than others. I can't see Mike Trout or Derek Jeter acting the way Josh Donaldson did on Thursday. They hit a he hit home run, he hit a home run. Good for him. High praise, this and that. Way to go, Josh. Way to go. But then you come towards the plate and you're so proud. You're so proud of yourself. You have so much pride that you have to show up the umpire, kick dirt on home plate because he called a pitch that you didn't like. And guess what? You got ejected. And sure, you gave your team a 3-2 lead in the sixth inning. That's fantastic. But then you got ejected. And you know what? Ultimately, you lost the game. 4-3 to three to the White Sox. Now, I'm just curious if maybe had you stayed in the game, maybe if your team would have won. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud here. And what's interesting to me is, again, I've told you guys that I watch behaviors. I watch behaviors of baseball players. I have zero sympathy for most baseball players. And Josh Donaldson, who I'm sure some kids look up to, why I don't know, um, just was absolutely an abysmal display of how a professional should act, in my opinion. No one else will say this, so I'm going to say it. Uh, first of all, Josh Donaldson, just to kind of lay it all out for you guys, um, you know, he's currently in a, a four-year contract as of January in 2020, signed a four-year contract worth $92 million. I'm telling you guys that for a reason. I just want you to kind of be aware of it and, and, you know, tuck it away and think about it. Uh, Donaldson will receive $21 million per season from 2020 through 2023, while the $16 million club option for 2024 includes an $8 million buyout. Okay, so you kind of get the idea there. $4 million, four, four years, $92 million. Let's round up. Maybe it's not uh, $25 million, but it's it's probably right around $22, $23 million, give or take. Okay, that's Mr. Donaldson Donaldson's salary. Well, Mr. Donaldson, who's been a problem in, the ma- in Major League Baseball, he's always uh, trying to, to win debates and this and that. Um, he was ejected in this game. How many guys do you see ejected after they hit a home run? Let me ask you guys that. And now to those people listening, are, are any of you saying to yourself, well, the umpire must have overreacted? Of course. 
of course, because that's that's where we go with these things. Well, the umpire must have overreacted. No, no, no. You don't you don't think about what was said during the at bat or the fact that as he rounded third and came home, he kicked dirt on the home plate. And I don't know what he said to the umpire, but he stared him down. Sorry, I have no sympathy for you. And I will say this. He complained about a pitch that was outside. And it was, according to the special secret uh, box that Major League Baseball puts up there for uh, you know television and everything. The pitch was outside. Dan Bellino, he called it a strike. It wasn't a strike. I'll say that. But you know what? Wouldn't you know it? The pitch that Josh Donaldson hit a home run on the very next pitch. Guess what? It was inside. According to that secret special, um, you know, special box that they put up on television, the pitch was inside. And what did Josh Donaldson do with it? He put it over the left field wall. That's so weird. How could he hit a pitch that was outside the box? I don't understand it. I'm saying this because um, two days after his ejection, Josh Donaldson went on a rant about Major League Baseball umpires. And keep in mind, this is a guy who's always been a problem. And I don't know about you, but whether it be school or parenting or any job, you guys know who the problem people are. There's certain people at your work or in your household or whatever the case may be that are just always a problem. And when they complain, you kind of roll your eyes and you're like, oh, you again. Yeah, there's always something with you. So this was a guy that hit a home run and then was ejected. Are you... Are you retarded, Josh Donaldson? You hit a home run. You did the best thing you could possibly do. But you're so proud. You you have so much pride in rounding the bases that you need to show up an umpire after you said your piece already about strike one. And you got a kick dart on a home plate. And you got to stare down the umpire because you're a tough guy. And you make 20 plus million dollars a year. Well, guess what? You got ejected because you're selfish and you're a coward. You got ejected and your team lost the game. Whether it was because of you or not, I don't know. But I'm so sick and tired of these baseball players thinking they can do whatever they want and umpires are always the bad guy. Let me give you a few quotes from Mr. Uh, Josh Donaldson. Two days after his ejection in this game, Josh Donaldson said, there's no accountability with the group that the umps umps don't care. If the umpire consistently, umpires consistently isn't doing his job correctly, that's affecting our careers. That's affecting our success. At the end of the day, there's no reprimand, no accountability for the guys that are making the decision. As a matter of fact, they don't care. They don't care at all. Most of them, they just want to get the game over with for the most part. And it's pretty sad because guys are making six figures a year and there's no accountability. I don't know where to begin with this. 
let me continue with Mr. Josh Donaldson. Uh, it doesn't matter to them. Donaldson told reporters on Saturday, they don't realize we're playing for our families. We're playing for our livelihood. End of quote. Josh Donaldson is playing for $22 million a year. How dare you eject him from a baseball game? His children are depending on that income. He's making $22 million a year, $23 million a year. You can't eject him. I'll say this, Josh Donaldson, you have no accountability. Don't point the fingers at Major League Baseball and their umpires. How dare you? You have no accountability. You were ejected in a tie game. Or excuse me, you, you broke the tie. You hit a home run. And that was the last thing you did. You jogged to the diet because you're an idiot and you were ejected for showing up an umpire on a pitch that was off the plate that you hit a home run on. How stupid is that? Major League Baseball players, don't point at Major League Baseball umpires and say they have no accountability. You're an idiot. You have no accountability. Don't sit there and say umpires just want to get the game over with. Really? Really? If that was the case, they call everything a strike. They call a pitch that's barely off the plate a strike, and that's your response? Umpires don't care? You are the dumbest person I've ever heard speak. Stop this. Stop this nonsense. Stop this. This. Uh, I'm a tough guy. I know everything. I'm going to just say, think before you speak. I know that's hard for you. You used to just swinging a bat at a baseball. I know. But don't sit there and tell me, Umpires don't care if they just want to get the game over. If, really, if that were the case, the pitches would be called from chalk to chalk and the games would be over in an hour and a half. Josh, keep your mouth shut, swing the bat, and, and why don't you hit a few more home runs that are off the plate? You complain about one pitch off the plate and then the very next pitch you hit out of the ballpark that was off the plate. The other side of the plate but you hit it out of the yard. What does that say about you complaining about a pitch that's barely off the plate and then all of a sudden you hit a pitch out of the yard that's barely off the plate? I think that makes you look like a fool. And then you round third and you kick dirt over home plate because you're a tough guy? What are you trying to prove? You're trying to prove your $22, $23 million salary? Why? You're an embarrassment to all the kids that look up to you. And unfortunately, there's going to be plenty of dads or plenty of kids who look up to you because you wear their jersey. You you play for their team. But you are the problem, Josh Donaldson. Don't sit there and tell me umpires are the problem. You're the problem. Mr. Tough Guy, thinking you're uh you know, you, you umpires don't 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 have accountability. Screw you. You don't have accountability. You haven't for years. All you do is continue to sign your big contracts and uh, and and be happy and play the victim card. 
This won't get out to you. This won't get out to anybody. But I'll tell you right now, I'm tired of guys like you. You're an embarrassment to people who cheer for you. Because the same people that cheer for you for being an absolute retard and an idiot. I feel so sorry for them that they cheer for a guy that makes $22, $23 million a year and feels like he has, uh, he's oppressed and that the umpires don't care. The umpires have no accountability. You are one of the dumbest people alive. And I can't believe that there are major league baseball teams that pay people like you millions of dollars. You're probably laughing at me. If you hear this, I, I really don't care. But you can sit there and get ejected and you let your team lose because you weren't around because you had so much pride. And to any fan out there who's like, oh, we love the players. They, they, they play so hard for us. The players don't care about you. The players could care less. John, Josh Donaldson has been on multiple teams. Josh Donaldson doesn't care. He doesn't care what team he's on. What team is he on now? The Minnesota Twins? He doesn't care about the Minnesota Twins. Josh Donaldson has been on multiple teams. Josh Donaldson has been on the Oakland Athletics, the Toronto Blue Jays, the Cleveland Indians, the Atlanta Braves, and currently the Minnesota Twins. He doesn't care about what team he's on. He's one of those guys that only cares about himself. He's making his 20-plus million dollars a year and does not care about you, fans. He doesn't care about you. And for the people that continue to cheer for him, shame on you. Because guys like him not only make baseball bad, but make professional athletes bad. They are a poor example of who to follow. And if you, if you encourage your kids to root for guys like Josh Donaldson, well, then I say shame on you. Pick better uh it, you know, examples, pick, pick better people to, uh, to follow Josh Donaldson's actions over the weekend or Thursday or whenever it was are reprehensible. You're a joke. And I really hope that people can see that a guy like him is, is a dime a dozen in the big leagues. There's lots of people like that. I encourage you guys to, Really look at guys like that. Look at situations like that. Look it up. Josh Donaldson ejection. And and really see if they're just some innocent uh, victim. Or if maybe there's a deeper root. There's a deeper problem there. Because honestly, I, do, I believe there's one there. Anyway, we've ranted long enough today. It's been a long early segment. Let's get to our guest today, Danny Cortez. Uh, Going to talk a lot of high school football with Danny. It's kind of a great way to start the week, especially after a fun-filled NFL weekend, college football weekend. Um, we didn't get into any of that. Obviously, we recorded last Friday, but uh, still plenty of football to talk about. And looking forward to you guys hearing this today as we start our week of shows off. So we will take a quick break and then jump right into it with the interview with Danny Cortez.
Okay, joining us today is Danny Cortez. Danny's a very good friend of mine. We actually officiated high school football together for a long time. Uh, I had my first, now let's see my first, my second ever game was with Danny. And uh, there's an interesting story uh, to that game that, that we'll get into. But I also worked my very first CIF football championship game with Mr. Danny Cortez. So we had a lot to talk about. Uh, he's going to cover his officiating career. He was also one of the officials in the very recent uh, football game between Rio Hondo Prep and Arroyo High School, that uh, a game that had been kind of brewing for years. And so we're going to kind of get uh, some inside perspective from Danny Cortez, who was in the middle of the field that night, to tell us about that experience and many other football memories. Danny Cortez, welcome to the program, my friend. Hey, man. Nice to uh, finally get to talk with you again. Yeah, we tried a few days ago. We had some technical difficulties, and you know what? It's not always perfect. There might be some hiccups here with our sound today, but I think we're good enough where we can give it a go. Great. Sounds good. <laughs> well, I appreciate you taking the time out of your, uh, out of your busy schedule, Danny. Uh, you're, I'm sure, working uh, like crazy and uh, you, you know, just getting, getting off work. I'm sure the last thing you wanted to do was sit down and have a podcast, but I appreciate you doing that with me today as uh, we are recording on a Friday evening. Uh, Danny, how has work been? Have you had any changes really with the whole lockdown? Have you worked less days or more days? What's it been like for you the past few months? Well, actually, it was uh, we did slow down a little bit. Fortunately, I am a contractor of Edison, so we are essential workers. So I was fortunate enough to actually keep working, just maybe a few less hours. But that's been great. I'm experienced, you know, our lucky experience, I should say, of being able to continue working through this all. Oh, outstanding. I mean, it's a blessing for, for so many people who have been able to do that because unfortunately there's been other people who've been hit the other way. Uh, but, but Danny, you know, you started officiating around 1999 for the Foothill Citrus Football Officials Association. Uh, same association I was a part of. I started in like 2007. So you had a little head start on me. And, and I got to ask you, what, what was the motivation to start officiating football? I always ask the officials the beginning of their story. Was it by mistake? Did some coach say, hey, you think you can do it? Come, or a, a, a referee say, if you think you can do it better, come out here. Uh, what was the motivation that you, you jumped into this uh, craft of ours? Funny you asked that, Matt. So I went to uh, my nephew's game one, watch him play. Uh, on the field, there was a penalty that I had no idea even what they were doing out there. So after the game had ended, I kind of went up to the officials and said, hey, uh, can you answer a question for me? Where can I get a rule book? They told me, hey, we call the plays the way we see them. You know, leave us alone. And the guy goes, all he asked for was a rule book. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> that was kind of a, you know, like, okay. Uh, so he goes, hey, what was the question you had? I said, well, first of all, there was a penalty in the end zone. Why didn't you go the one yard line? He goes, that's an NFL rule. This is high school. Um, we go back to the line of scrimmage. So that was great. I said, okay, thank you very much. Wife goes to the next week's game, runs into different officials and says, hey, my husband wants to become an official. How can he join? Uh, I said, I didn't want to become an official. I just wanted a rule book. You know, so next thing I know, maybe uh, the next season's going to come start. I find the guy's phone number, 
Next thing I know, I'm sitting in the middle of a classroom full of uh, 150 guys saying, man, did I really, really want to do this? Yeah. <laughs> Turns out I did. You know, it's a little intimidating that first day you go into that classroom and you realize how many officials there are. And you also realize you could tell off the bat, the brotherhood and everyone knows each other and you don't know anybody. And I remember thinking to myself the same thing, like, oh man, I don't know if I can do this. Uh, but at, once you get past that, I mean, it was, everyone was so welcoming. I got to ask you, you said it was your nephew's game. Was it in the Foothill Citrus area? Uh, yes, it was. It so, was actually, he went to South Hills High School. Oh, he did. Okay. So let me, so do you remember who those officials were that you asked the questions to that day? Man, it, for over 20 years, that has been driving me crazy. Going, I only wish I knew who those guys were. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably their last game and they retired. Yeah. I did know my wife though. My wife ended up running into Scott Root, who we all love and endear uh, that, you know, great official. And that's who she ended up running to talking to. So I blame <laughs> Scott Root for all of this. <laughs> oh, Scott Root was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. He was a fun interview. It was great catching up with him and his journey uh, throughout the officiating ranks for sure. Uh, well, well, Danny, you started in 99 and when you got on the field for the first time, or, or was it more of the classroom stuff? What was, what was it like? Like, was it intimidating? Did you soak it up? Uh, what was it like finally getting that assignment to go out on a field? I mean, were you nervous? Do you think you were prepared? Uh, take us through some of your emotions in starting a football officiating. Well, it's funny. The very first game ever worked was with, a second year official and a first year official. And it's my very first game. So I get out on the field and I'm thinking, what did I get myself into? Next thing I know, I'm just kind of like, you know, hey, I'm going to take care of my and they do the same. Next thing I know, coaches are screaming at them and I'm thinking, man, I love this sport. They're yelling at those guys and not me. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Uh, it's interesting to me that, you know, that's something people just don't understand is that you can go out on a field and people have high expectations for everybody, but they just don't, they can't comprehend that uh, officials are super new, especially freshman JV games. There's not a ton of experience out there usually. And that's just how we learn much like freshman football players learn. I mean, uh, I remember watching a freshman game one time, and uh, you know, it was a hurry up situation and they're going spike it, spike it. And, you know, they're trying to, to kill the clock and everything. And the freshman kid, uh, he got up there and instead of spiking it, they took a knee thinking it was like the same thing. And it's like, no, that's not how you stop the clock. <laughs> so they had to burn another snap to spike it. And it's like, dude, you see stuff like that. Everybody's learning. So that's interesting. Your first game was with a second year and a first year guy. Uh, for, for sure. But that's how it works, man. Um, well, what about your first varsity game? What was that experience like? And do you remember kind of getting the call and kind of the build up to it? Was it was it nerve wracking? Or were you like, oh, I'm gonna treat this like a freshman game? It was crazy exciting. Uh, it was actually my fourth year. Uh, I was so fortunate that game to be working with Captain Bob and Sean Hockley was our bag judge, and everybody knows Sean. Sean Hockley? Hockley, Sean, by, as in relation to Ed Hockley. Sean Hockley. 
I mean, <laughs> that in itself was pretty nerve wracking going, man, I got a game here with Sean Hockley. And, you know, <laughs> so all week it's built up that I'm going to work this game with Sean, with Captain Bob. And I've told my wife all week long, you know, hey, you know, this is it. You know, I finally made my first varsity game. She calls my two brothers, uh, my stepfather. They decide they're going to all show up to this game. <laughs> and now I'm going to sit there and think, oh, my goodness, I got everybody here staring at me on this game. Uh, I decide, hey, my wife got me into this. As to honor her, I'm going to wear my wedding ring, which I would never do on any football field, fear that I would lose it. Mm-hmm. Fifth play of the game, the ball comes rolling my way. I'm on the sideline. Uh, I'm thinking, oh, they'll stop. They'll stop. They'll stop. <laughs> Next thing I know, I'm laying flat on the ground. I hear everybody in the stand is ooing and aahing, and I hear four people standing and cheering. And I just know who these four people are. They happen to be all related to me. And you can hear, I mean, just my wife tells me later, everybody in the stands going, man, you guys are pretty mean. That's an official that went down. So don't worry. That's my husband and their brothers. <laughs> so so I, I get pick myself up. Sean Hockley's like on top of me within seconds. You know, Sean's just wheels. He comes running over to me. Danny, Danny, you all right? And I go, I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. And he goes, Danny, are you okay? <laughs> Finally, Captain Bob rolls up and he goes, hey, Danny, are you all right? I go, I'm dead. I'm dead. I said, okay, but are you all right? I said, Bob, I lost my wedding ring. Oh. And, he, and he looks at me and he goes, oh, you're dead. <laughs> oh, Sean, man. Yeah, Sean tells me, hey, it'll be all right. And I go, my wife's here in the stands. I don't know if it is going to be all right. <laughs> but but they cheered the whole thing. I mean, it was just, you know, later it was funny. It wasn't so funny that night. Oh, man. Yeah, that, that's a great story. I mean, I, I hope your wife, Trish, who I've met many times, uh, she could laugh it off a little bit, especially her cheering with you falling or getting, you know, run over and everything. Be like, well, actually, I uh, lost my ring, honey. So it's not so funny, is it? <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That is great stuff. Oh man. Well, yeah. Sean Hockley now works in the NFL as a white hat and just following in his father's footsteps, although he's made his own path and his career, just a tremendous guy. I had the opportunity to work with him early on. Also my first year and just the nicest guy. I'm like, wait a minute, your name, you're Sean Hockley. Like you're like, he's like, no, no, I'm just, I'm just one of you guys. I'm like, no, 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 you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. But uh, Anyway. <laughs> Just a but great that's the guy. kind of person Sean is. He's like, he wanted you to, you know, feel comfortable. You know, hey, I'm just another official out here, part of the brotherhood along with you guys. Yeah. That's the type of person Sean is. And honestly, with, with football officiating, that's what it's all about, man. It is all about the camaraderie. Uh, you know, working the game is fun, but it's the before, it's the after. It's, it's chuckling about the plays or the experiences. Even in a tough situation – but we're talking about, yeah, that coach was out of control or, yeah, I said this to him or, oh, I should have said that. I mean, it's so fun learning on the fly amongst each other. And it just, it just makes for some great stories as well. Well, well, Danny, in 2007, uh, I, I, I went over to Foothill Citrus and decided to join. And same thing. I went in the classroom, didn't know a whole lot of what I was doing. And, but you learn right away that anything you do lo- know isn't what you know. I mean, you mentioned it in your first story. 
I think so many people think they know the rules, but then don't realize, hey, there's multiple levels of football. You know, it's NFL Sundays on TV. There's Friday uh, nights for uh, high school football. There's different rules. And so that was an eye-opening experience for me when I started. And I got to say, it was my second game, I think. And I was supposed to work with you and someone else at Roland High School, which was not easy to get to, we'll say. And one of my first lessons in officiating that I learned was you need to leave with a lot of extra time because I, yes, Matt Hersema, I am, I am, uh, you know, telling everyone, telling everybody this, I was late. I was, I was more than late. I was like end of the first quarter late. And so you and the other official were working the game two man. We did three man crews back then. And I, it was the first time I met you and I apologize for the very bad first impression. You know, first impressions are the greatest. And <laughs> so we get to laugh about it now, but man, I said, man, if I ever work with this guy, it will be never too soon. I mean, it's just, <laughs> and, you know, I call the assigner, Hey, you know, we don't redline too many people, but I said, man, I can't deal with somebody being late. You know how much I had to run? And I, you know, and I'm not built for speed, that's for sure. So it's one of those things that we laugh about now. And, you know, yeah, I think you still owe me a, a, an adult soda for that time. Yes, so. yes, absolutely. A cerveza or two uh, that I really haven't paid up for. But yeah, I was late and I just remember going, oh my goodness, there's nothing I can do in this game that's going to prove that, uh, I, I did a good job or made a good impression because the very first and uh, probably most important thing <laughs> officiating is, is show up by kickoff or at least, you know, a little earlier than that. So I do apologize. Bad impression. Hopefully I've dug out of that hole, uh, <laughs> you know, years later. Uh, but Danny, we worked together quite a bit. And, and one of the, the true honors, I think, was in 2013, um, we got to work a CIF final together. Now, as someone who played eight-man football myself, it was kind of cool, kind of ironic. Uh, I don't know, just just kind of a cool chapter to my officiating career that my first CIF final was an eight-man final. And it was you and me, Bob Lamb, Rocky Better, and Mickey Edwards. And we worked the uh, Faith Baptist High School. And the team was Coast Union, and Faith Baptist uh, blew them out. But I remember showing up. We showed up in our sport coats. We it was a big deal to us, especially for you and I being our first final. I mean, what are your thoughts on that first final we worked together in 2013? Oh, that was so exciting. And, it, you know, I think I had to go out and buy a sports coat for that. <laughs> I mean, it, I was definitely not ready for that. But the game, I mean, the game was secondary. I mean, I mean, we, you and I just, you know, just it was just an honor and a privilege just for us to be out on that field. And it was funny that it was an eight man game because you and I, you know, we were so happy. And it's funny, I get home to my wife and say, hey, I just worked the final. And she goes, well, it wasn't a real final, it was an eight man. And I was like, no, really, it was a, it was a real CIF final. Yeah. Look, I got a paper to tell me paper, that I worked a yeah. final. I got, I got <laughs> a, a ring, coin. I got a coin, I got everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That was a big, and we, they even put us on TV or some, uh, some yeah, online. In a magazine. Yeah. yeah, we were on the cover of a magazine, actually. And uh, <laughs> you and me are standing there. I think everyone else is like trying to look their straight face. And you and I, I think, are smiling from ear to ear. I mean, it just, you know, yeah, we're here. You know, Hello, it was man. the great. Yeah. 
Oh, it's fun. It's a big game. We always joke about this, but it's true. It's always a big game to somebody. And anytime you're crowning a champion, uh, it's a tremendous honor. I don't care what the sport is, what the level is. It's cool to be a part of, to be kind of given the reins of that responsibility between two teams. And, and so it was so cool. I was like, I felt like, man, I, I did it, you know, in my officiating career, even though there was more good things to come uh, and uh, for yourself as well. Because it was in 2015, a couple of years later, where you worked another CIF final, and this game was a little bit, a uh, little bit bigger stage, I think, right? Yeah, oh yeah, that one. And that one was uh, Riverside Poly and Redlands East Valley, and that game was played on like a neutral site because they had to move it for to, to accommodate the fans, mm-hmm. which was just it sold out at four o'clock in the afternoon for a seven o'clock kickoff. People that I invited to the game couldn't even get inside. They had parked two miles away, couldn't even get there. The sidelines were a hundred yards, 10 deep. I mean, talk about exciting. Uh, It was just, I mean, that was, and it was a great game. I believe it was a 38-35 ball game. They came down to the end and it was just, I mean, I just, I was ecstatic. I couldn't wipe the smile off my face the whole night, the whole game. And it was just, it was great. Great, well, great atmosphere. Well, I, I was amongst the people there standing on the sideline, a hundred yards, uh, you know, long there. It was fun. I'll, I'll never forget it. We, the cool thing about football officiating and specifically the Foothill Citrus unit is I think there's a great camaraderie in the sense that guys go watch guys work. Hey, even if you're, you don't have the, the championship assignment, you go watch your buddies work, you know, and, and watch them work a big game. And so there was at least 10 of us Foothill Citrus guys who drove out there that night. Uh, it was really hard to get in, but we got in and we were all kind of down by the, uh, the far end zone, uh, the goal line, I should say, kind of by the scoreboard. And uh, we watched you guys work a heck of a game. I, I got to say everyone on the crew did great. And it was so much fun standing there and being like, man, we're the only 10 guys in this entire stadium cheering for those, those five guys out there in stripes. And it's just stuff like that where it is a special camaraderie and a bond really amongst the officials. That is so exciting. You're like, you said, you know, just the atmosphere, the friendship that when you're not officiating, you go watch football games, you go watch your buddy work. And uh, it's just, it's almost exciting being on the field, watching your friends, you know, enjoying themselves and, you know, doing the same thing you love. Well, yeah, exactly. And to see your friends do well and to see your friends in a tough situation, I'm a pretty honest guy. Like I can tell like, oh man, that was a tough play to officiate. Maybe they're wrong. Maybe they're wrong, but that was a tough play. Uh, or maybe they're right. Maybe they're wrong, but that was a tough play. Uh, or, you know, oh man, that's a great call. Or even, hey man, I think you missed that one. Whatever. It's not any kind of animosity. It's just us being honest with each other, positive feedback, because you're not going to get an unbiased opinion from from one of the teams, one of the fans. You're not going to get that. The only way to get that positive, real clear feedback is from your peers. You know, that's, that's a great thing too, like you're saying. Uh, But one of those plays you, you think to yourself, man, I wonder how, how that looked to those guys standing on the sideline. I wonder what he thought about that call. And, you know, and just then the next play is ready to go and you just, okay, now I got to work the next play. And then, you know, you think about it at halftime or after the game 
and you just say, hey, by the way, in the third quarter, what did you think of that call? How did, how did that look to, to you? Do you think he really grabbed them? And then, you know, like, or they'll come to you and say, hey, that call you made in the third quarter, you know, that was a great catch. That was, you know, you know, good job on that. And that that's that's the next thing that, you know, you really say, wow, you know, now I know that, you know, hey, I must be doing something right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Danny, I hate when you, the old saying, you know, don't ask a question you, you're, you don't want to hear the answer to because there's truth in that. Some guys will ask questions. Hey, what'd you think of that? What'd you see? And then someone tells you you missed it or, uh, eh, yeah, it may have not been the way you saw it. Um, some guys can't handle that. I think it takes the professionalism really to self-reflect and be like, hey, I asked you what you saw. Uh, if you say your opinion, I missed it or, or whatever, like I need to be able to accept that. Some guys, there are a few, there's, there's not many. There are some guys that ask kind of just to get praise. Like, and then when you tell them what you thought, they're like, well, wait a minute. And it's like, wait a minute, you're the one that asked me. So it does go both ways. There, there are a few situations where, you, you know, you disagree, but it's all in fun, of course. There's always those guys that always want that attaboy, attaboy, yeah. you know, great job, attaboy. And, you know, I've always felt that, hey, if I ask the question and they say, hey, maybe you were too close to that play, maybe you should have hustled a little. In my opinion, that's where I say, okay, you know what? If I made that mistake, I will never make that same mistake again. That's mm -hmm. where I work on. Sure, it's great to hear the attaboy, but I want to know where I, what I should have done that made it better. Yeah. So that's, that's always, you know, what I look for. Well, that's how we stay ahead of the, of the, uh, of everything. We, we, you know, critiquing each other, critiquing ourselves because we're doing a, a thankless job that is impossible to do perfect, but we, that's our goal every time. So I'll, I'll tell you a memory for me where I was not perfect and uh, you kind of helped save me. We were at a playoff game out in Palm Spring, La Quinta High School. I think it was a second round game. And it, the, the call really didn't matter all that much, but I was the line judge. And I'm kind of responsible for, you know, hey, when a play is a first down, let the crew know because I could see across, know where the chains are and everything. Uh, know when we reach the line to gain. Well, there was a play run to my side, and I thought the line to gain was, again, I thought, I didn't know. I thought I knew uh, that the line to gain was the 37. So the play ended at my feet, and I killed the play and was like, hey, guys, first down, first down. I look up, and the chains are at the 38, but they start to move, and I go, oh, no. And you had the ball. You ran over to the side. You got the ball. You looked at me, and you, and you knew where the line to gain was, as a good umpire does, a guy in the middle. And you kind of turned around, you saw where I had it spotted and you ran diagonally and put the ball on the 38 to give us a true first down. And then I just kind of moved sideways. Uh, uh, you and I refer to that as the nine yard first down. Uh, now I will say if it was a big, if it was a close score, if it, the call really mattered, uh, we would have fixed it and made it right. But it was kind of at that point, third or fourth quarter game management, just managing the people and, and uh, the, the game was, you know, all but decided. And I remember that, that one cost me a few, a few beverages that night to pay that I had to pay for because uh, you, you saved me there. You saved me there. Our white hat was kind of suspicious, but he was like, well, that looks kind of weird, but okay. First down. Anyway, thank you, Danny for, for, <laughs> well, whatever. 
<laughs> you and I laugh about that, you know, when we get together. That's one of our stories that we always want to tell that we laugh about. The game was already probably decided by the middle of the third quarter. And I do remember running over there. And I mean, I'm already chuckling because our white hat is, he's looking at you, he's pointing, he's giving his Statue of Liberty pose for a first down. You know, he's getting his TV time, you know, first down. And I grabbed that ball from you and I could like see the look on your face. And I just knew, hey, 38 yard line, we're good. We're good today. <laughs> you know, it's our famous nine-yard first down, and it was it yes. was great. Today, today, we're doing today. Yeah, I just I was like, oh my god. You know, you lose. Fo- that's a thing. That's a lesson. Like you lose focus for one second in a football game, uh, something bad's going to happen or could happen. And so we laugh about it, we chuckle about it, but but the job is hard enough to be focused and not make mistakes. Whereas if you let your guard down, you start thinking about finishing or whatever, it's like, no, no, no. Uh, you can make minor mistakes like that that can look awful, make a crew just absolutely lose credibility. So uh, yeah, just a funny moment. But, but I think in general, the, the times we lose, fo- the times we make the biggest mistakes, if we're all honest with ourselves, are just when we stopped focusing for a second, we lose focus. I mean, would you agree with that? Oh, without question. And like you said, it just takes one second, one play. And that's how you lose a a young official because now he thinks he's so worried about that last play that he loses focus on the next play. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, fortunately for you and I that night, we got a good chuckle out of it. But it, it was a lesson that we tried to tell young officials, hey, you know what? We all do it just move on and you know have fun with it you know oh, it's yeah it, it, it's like any adversity really that you have and if you want to stick with football we can kind of stay there with it but like teams they face adversity and sometimes teams they just crumble they're like oh it was a bad call or oh we fumbled on the one yard line or you know oh we're down two touchdowns like life is about adversity and football is adversity you're you're tackled every play i mean it's that, that's not fun you, but it's how you respond to things. And I think officiating is, is so much, such a big part of that. You mentioned it a, a couple minutes ago. Hey, next play, next snap. Like I, I cannot sit here and continue to dwell on my mistakes or I'm going to make more. Oh, without question. I mean, it's, you know, you definitely, they say have to have short memory uh, <laughs> because <laughs> first of all, you don't think too much out on the field. Let your instincts take over, and uh, we always say, let the game come to you, and uh, that's how you. We all should officiate the game. Have fun. Well, well, when that uh, those couple of players came to you, uh, when that night on the sideline when you lost your wedding ring, uh, I gotta imagine that was one of the last times you worked a varsity game anyway on a sideline. You eventually moved into the middle and became the the umpire. The umpire position is kind of few yards off the ball kind of sits there with the linebackers really and uh, they're active and putting the ball down they watch the linemen you deal with the big guys uh what made you move into the middle there and kind of what what were some of the benefits or the perks really that you looked at uh really embracing the umpire position well when i started this i started actually late in life obviously but uh my whole goal was to be the best high school umpire 
They want to be in the NFL. They want to do college. I wanted to be a high school umpire. And so when I finally got that opportunity, man, I just was so excited. And I just knew that I can be in the middle. I fortunately played high school football. Uh, I was a, a middle linebacker. So when I became that umpire, I was like Friday night lights all over again. This is what I've, you know, wanted to do, wanted to be. So that was just exciting in itself. It was the next step for me. So, so being there, the umpire in that linebacker spot, being the old linebacker, was there any, any old tendencies that kicked in? Like, oh, hey, shoot that gap or, hey, tackle that guy. Or did, did you learn pretty quick? Oh, you're not supposed to tackle these guys. You got to get out of the way or they'll tackle you. You know, I, I had those instincts. So I, I could have made that tackle. <laughs> I should have made that tackle. I could have seen that poor kid, you know, agony by making that tackle. And another little quick story for you, Matt. Uh, I was doing a game, Citrus College. Zoo's a kid, linebacker, is just being a terror in the in the game. He just, he wants to, you know, do the little extra hit, the little extra grab, push. And they have a play kid reads perfect play over the middle he's going to pick this ball off he's going to go 80 yards for a touchdown the other direction and he drops the ball so while they're in the huddle I kind of walk up to the back of the kid being an umpire walk up to him I said hey son I said hey next time I'll catch the ball for you I'll hand it to you and then you run and then he just like you know ref that is cold ref and I said, hey, I'm just looking out for you. You know, I just want to make sure. That kid's whole attitude changed. It was being the umpire, being able to talk to these kids. That's what just, that's what I wanted. And that's what it, that's just great thing for me was able to be in that position. Well, well, yeah. And anybody who's played football and played in the trenches or played linebacker or even running back and, you know, in between the tackles or, or whatever, like, that that little life in there, that little uh, militarized zone, we'll say, I mean, it is really, it's trench warfare in there. And I mean, I'm sure you enjoyed it as a player, but what can you tell really the listeners about what it's like managing the middle? We always kind of say that term, but you know, you got at least five linemen, five, you got five on each team. So that's 10 kids right there. But, but more realistically, it's probably closer to 12 or 14 kids all kind of mixed in, piled together. And you got to control the chaos, if you will. So, I mean, do you use kind of humor? Are there times you have to be a little more forceful? What, what is it like in there? Do most, are most kids behaved? Do some kids get, get really worked up until they see that, that an official's there? Just tell us and take us into that trench, into those trenches, if you can, as someone who has to manage it all. You know, it is one of the, the most difficult and fun at the same time. You have to control so many kids' um, temperament that they just want to hurt the other kid. And you just kind of sometimes just got to tap them on the shoulder and say, I'm right here. Everything you're going to do, I've seen before. When I played, I tried to do those things, so I know what you're thinking. And, you know, they kind of look at you thinking, oh, man, I thought I was going to get away with that. Maybe I'm not. Mm -hmm. It's not always about a whistle. Sometimes your voice is your best tool. When you talk to these kids, uh, you just let them know, hey, you know what? This is why you ran in August. This is why you were sweating. Uh, you know, 
you know, be strong here. And you just talk to them on a, like a human, you know, level and these kids respond. You're always going to have the knuckleheads that, you know, just think that, oh, what does this guy know? You know, he's just a referee. But <laughs> you just, you know, you just try to tell them, hey, I've been there, you know, just use common sense, you know, play the game. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, what's great about football, Danny, is that it's this, it, you're able to let out this rage and this anger and it, there's a physicality to it. You know, it, it's toughness. It's, it's not, you know, strength versus weakness or, or speed versus, you know, it's all these elements really. And I think it was like, remember the Titans or something where, where Denzel Washington's like, you know, football's about controlling that anger, controlling that rage. But I think there's a lot of truth to that, you know, in, in playing football and high school football, it's so special. It's so, there's so much passion and pageantry to it that there is a lot of rage, but the beauty of it is controlling it. It's controlled rage, it's controlled chaos, as I mentioned out there. Uh, and so that to me is what I think of when I think of, of football, you know, um, I, I might, uh, basketball, baseball, sure. They got some cool concepts to it, but football's just different. Football is special. I mean, do you view high school football, uh, as special as, as say I do, or, or some of our peers, what are your thoughts overall on the high school football product? It is an unbelievable aspect of a kid's life where high school football for some kids, that is the highest level they will ever play. And you're part of that kid's, you know, life that, you know, that might be the last game he plays. There's always those, just a handful that are fortunate to go to college. Then there's the ones that go even to the next level. But for that high school, that moment in your life, there's nothing more exciting. There's nothing more you know, those, when those lights go on Friday night and those kids step on the field and you're part of that with them, that's just, it's just unbelievable. It's just so exciting. Yeah. Every, every year, right around July, I mean, it start to get like, like start to, you know, scratch and itch. I'm like, oh, okay, man, it's coming. It's coming. Football season is coming. I've, I've always referred to kind of August, like when we kick everything off, it's like, it's like Christmas in August every year. At least that's how I always looked at it. And I haven't done it for a few years. I know, but, but I always love that kind of countdown to kick off really in the month of August. It's like, Hey man, two weeks, Hey, one week, Hey, two days, like, here we go. Let's get it going fellas. And I know that there were other guys who felt that way and it was so fun to kind of share that with them. I mean, did you kind of look at August that way as well? Oh, man, I, I actually looked forward to your text telling me, hey, Christmas is this Friday. Christmas <laughs> is coming. You know, get ready. <laughs> and I'm thinking, man, I just can't wait. I, I can't wait. You know, we go to classrooms and study and stuff up to the point, but there's nothing like Christmas Day on a August Friday night that, you know, we all can't wait for. You know? Yeah, it's a little warm. We're sweating a little bit even before kickoff, but it's completely worth it to see uh, the kids come out, all the work they've done, to talk for, to the coaches for the first time. They, they have a fresh slate. Uh, they're not angry yet. They haven't played any games, so they're, they're okay to talk to, and, and there's so much anticipation to, to get things going. Uh, yeah, it's just a special time. What are your thoughts, Danny, on the fact that that did not happen this year? This is the first time, and I can't even remember that, you know, high school football did not get going in late August, early September. Uh, the CIF has made a decision to try to play this in late December, early January. 
it's going to be a very different looking football season. I'm thankful that there's going to be one, but what are your thoughts on kind of how you feel about uh, starting a season later, starting it in the winter rather than finishing in the winter? Uh, if, if we're fortunate enough to, to work a CIF uh, championship game. I mean, and, and what do you think some of your peers are feeling the, about kind of postponing the football season, the best time of year for guys like you and me. And now we're going to have to wait until just after the real Christmas. Yeah. You know, that's funny. Uh, that's funny you say, because I felt like the Grinch had just stole Christmas. <laughs> we were, what happened? Where's Susie who? I mean, what is going on here? So uh, I, I know I've talked to other officials and it's the same feeling. It's like, man, we should be out or we should be in the classroom. We should be out on the field. Uh, it's going to definitely be different, you know, knowing that football is going to start around Christmas time. And I, you know, I'm probably going to have to text you and say, Hey, it really is Christmas. You know, I, I get two Christmas this year. So, but talking to other officials, they, we all miss it. It's just something that you just think, man, you know, Oh, it's just another time of the year, but, it's 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 kind of sad to be honest with you it's like you know you wait all year for august to come around to start sit together with friends that you haven't seen for a while mm -hmm. whether they do other sports or not which right now there's been no sports so <laughs> so it's 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 the missing feeling that you have yeah i always kind of looked at like almost like my year as in you know summer's a fun time you know whatever uh, it's just different, different. It's hot. You're outside doing a lot of different things. And then football season rolls around. And that's the time for me to kind of enjoy the time with, with my peers and my friends. And then as soon as that ends, it's like, okay, it's holiday season. It's time for Thanksgiving and Christmas and all these things. And, and so then that's family time. And then, you know, after all that's done, it's like kind of baseball gets going. So that's kind of what always was my year was like. So to have it kind of flipped on its head is a little weird, uh, but I don't know, maybe there'll be a bigger emphasis in high school football or some of these community college football programs, uh, the fact that their role would be the only games on. So maybe they'll get more attendance. I don't know. I, I really don't know. It's going to be a challenge for everybody. Um, you think there'll be a, a few more long sleeves worn in the, in the start of the season than, than usual. Yeah, there probably will be, but you never want to be the first guy to wear the long sleeves because you know how that goes too. For, for those that don't know. Yeah. Like during the season, obviously referees. So, we, the, our uniform's pretty much the same, but you either wear short sleeves or long sleeves and the crew decides, well, most people don't wear short or long sleeves because it's hot and you're running around. But, you know, when you eventually get to those playoffs and it gets cold and cold, uh, the long sleeves come out just mostly because you can layer up underneath, you know. Uh, but what's funny is, yeah, officials are pretty proud. We're, we're proud guys and we all get together after games Friday nights and Man, if, if we found out that your crew wore long sleeves in late October or, or November, you know, towards the end of the season, man, you're, you're going to get a you're going to get a mouthful from us because we're we're going to razz you all night. You guys wore long sleeves. Come on, softies. And there's always that one guy on the crew that they all have a, you know, a pack. Hey, don't tell nobody we wore long sleeves. And there's always that one guy that's ready to. Spill his guts, spill the beans that, hey, hey, guess what uh, the white hat decided to do tonight? We wore long sleeves, you know. <laughs> but, oh, man, don't let everybody know. Please don't let everybody know we did it. 
No, sir. Well, well, Danny, you grew up in, in Baldwin Park. You played at Sierra Vista High School, uh, which is uh, one of two high schools in Baldwin Park. And of course, the other one being Baldwin Park High School. And I know that those two schools aren't too far from each other. And maybe it was a long time ago now. But what, what was it like that that kind of rivalry, that intercity rivalry, really, between Baldwin Park and Sierra Vista when you were a kid and then playing in high school? And it was one of the greatest rivalries that we thought that we were growing up to have, Sierra Vista versus Baldwin Park. Unfortunately for Sierra Vista, <laughs> uh, it was a one-sided rivalry. Yeah. We never seemed to be able to get the, on the, the right side of the scoreboard. And until recently, I was fortunate enough to work a game where Sierra Vista finally beat Baldwin Park literally after 20 years. Wow. And the atmosphere that night was unbelievable. And when that clock hit zero, it was Stanford Cal all over again trying to get off that field. I mean, I'm looking for the tuba player. I'm looking for every way. How am I going to get off this field? It was a great, great night. So that is a great uh, rivalry. And uh, fortunately, the last one we could say belongs to Sierra Vista, but. There's uh, probably a hundred others that don't belong to them. Yeah, I've worked that game a few times, and it was always cool. You show up, and I got to say, uh, th that community, they know how to cook before the game. They got all the barbecues lined up and everything and all kinds of good stuff that we couldn't partake in because we're working the game and everything. But as you're showing up and you see the balloons and the smells of the grill and everything, you're like, man, this is cool. This is a big deal. And, of course, yeah, anytime you work any rivalry game, there's a little bit of – tension among the teams and everything and it's up to us to really to really uh you know squash it and kind of even just hey guys come on it's just a football game let's not get too carried away um well danny one other game in particular recently that actually wasn't too far from your old stomping grounds in uh, baldwin park was you worked the rio hondo prep versus arroyo game uh, recently it was see well, it was 2019 i believe it was right yeah 2019 season yeah, yeah that sounds right well, uh, what happened was Rio Hondo Prep uh, plays their home games in Irwindale at that new facility there. And uh, the Foothill Citrus Unit generally works officials kind of on the east side of the 605, you know, out to the 15, roughly. Uh, well, what happened that night is there was too many, too many games going on in the San Gabriel Valley uh, Officials Association, which Rio Hondo Prep um, gets their officials from. So Foothill Citrus had to send a crew over to Rio Hondo and it happened to be Rio Hondo prep versus Arroyo. And I got to tell you for a lot of alumni who listen to this show, Danny, that game was people wanted to play that game for so long because Arroyo was right across the wash from us. Uh, and they always, you know, kind of talk smack. Oh, you guys are just that tiny little school that can't do anything. You know, we, we play public school football, whatever the case is. So we finally got that game on the schedule. And then ironically, uh, the officials are not even from the area. They're from out of area. And so you and some guys from Foothill Citrus went and were selected to work that game. And so I got to ask you, uh, we all know the result of the game, but what were your thoughts in going into that game? Did the crew kind of talk that, hey, you know, Arroyo might, run away with this thing and beat up little real hondo i mean what were some of the discussions and the mindset really of the officials working two teams they didn't know anything about well that night when we walked into the officials uh, locker room we all looked at each other and said man 
Big brother is going to little hurt little brother tonight. So we all got to be ready for this. You know, make sure that this does not get out of control because Arroyo is probably going to disappoint a lot of people in the stands tonight. And we just got to be prepared to make sure this game does not get out of control. Little did we know, and to everyone's surprise, at least in our locker room and probably in a few other of those two locker rooms, <laughs> that ended up being uh, one-sided, which we thought it would be. But it was little brother getting the best big brother that night. <laughs> uh, Real Hondo Prep, uh, they came to play. Not that Arroyo did it, but I don't think it mattered what Arroyo team showed up that night. Real Hondo was ready, focused. And uh, they decided that, you know what, this has been long enough in the coming, and we're going to show them that we belong out here. <laughs> this field is like our home field, and they, they, they put a licking on El Royal that night. <laughs> I, it wasn't just you. There are other members of the crew who pulled. I was at the game watching, and a few guys pulled me aside. They said, uh, I did not think that was going to happen. And I just kind of smiled going, yeah, that's the way we kind of like it over here at Rio Hondo is to not <laughs> to have that kind of expectation or lack thereof. Uh, well, Danny, you were in the middle of the field that night working your umpire position. Uh, was there some pretty heavy frustration from, you know, the D line and the linebackers there on the Arroyo side or even the offensive line? I mean, were, were they just in shock? T take us into the, uh, in the middle of the field, if you will. Most of those guys in the middle of the field kept thinking after the first score, like, uh, we're fine. They, you know, hey, you know, who do they think they are? And you could just see in their eyes that at first they were angry that, you know, hey, we're letting them, them do this to us. So after a while, it became like, what are we going to do to stop this? Because there, some of those players literally quit that night where others just were so upset. And it it was fun to see one side you know, having the best of the other because nobody anticipated, like I said, that that was going to be the result. And it was fun being in the middle for some of those guys, but not for others. Yeah, uh, 42 to nothing, Real Hondo Prep over the Arroyo Knights. And again, for the alumni, a very big game. Uh, you know, referees don't root for teams. They, they show up with a uh, an impartial attitude and they just want to work the game and manage the game. So to any of the listeners who were kind of like, Oh, even the refs were against us. No, 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 that wasn't the case. Uh, anytime officials talk before a game, you got to just like the teams do, you got to kind of try to anticipate what might happen. Th uh, you know, I'm sure you guys talked about uh, pass plays or running plays also and this and that. So just to give listeners an idea, you know, the officials, you, you kind of you're not playing a guessing game really but you do kind of kind of prepare and have all of these different uh, plan and you know kind of uh, the way you guys are going to operate the game if some especially if a game gets out of hand because we've all seen how those can end up uh, on the news and stuff like that so just to give some listeners some insight there as to the officials uh, looking at the game and then not you know Something else completely opposite happened. So a fun memory, Danny. I appreciate you sharing that with us. And that was your first Real Hondo Prep varsity game. Was that right? That is correct. Yeah, that was the first time I got to witness that team. And uh, you're right. And one of the things we did talk about in the locker room that night is we read the stats. We knew the history of Arroyo, the, the 
everything they had going for their program and what that meant to them to be playing them. And it was exciting for everybody at the end on the opposite side. And also to add that uh, our Gatorade was pretty cold that night. It wasn't a hot Gatorade that we received <laughs> when we got back in the locker room that night. There was a little extra candy bar and a cold uh, Gatorade for us. Not that it wasn't already there, but it was, it, was a, it was a fun night to be part of. You know, Danny, I will say this. Hospitality goes a long way, and that's not just for officials. That's for visiting fans, for other teams. Like, that's something that's kind of gone away. Uh, some teams do it really well. You know, your alma mater, Sierra Vista, they always provide like a sandwich for the referees, you know, in the locker room. And, and I think Rio Hondo, for that facility being new, you know, they kind of do what they can with what they got. I'm still working on them to get some, you know, some showers in there for the officials eventually. But, you know, like you said, a cold Gatorade, a candy bar, and, you know, whatever, a nice room that's air-conditioned. Like, uh, it's not that difficult. Unfortunately, some schools um, – they don't pay as much attention to that stuff. And it's not to say you're going to get a call or anything like that. It's just treating people with respect, especially guests of your school. And I think other schools do it better than others. Oh, without question. I mean, you know, Matt, that we've been locked out of locker rooms at the end of games <laughs> and, you know, having to wait, having to send the, 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 the third year guy to run back out onto the field to go find an AD, go find a janitor to open those doors for you. So there are a lot of good schools. And, you know, Real Hondo Prep is one of those that do look out for the officials and they are there waiting. And that goes a long way just on, you know, hey, I want to go work that game again mm -hmm. for the hospitality aspect of that, you know that facility, those, that school, that program. Oh, I think, yeah. And even if you take it out of officiating, I mean, just think of anybody's working conditions. You want decent working conditions. And uh, when you're working in a better environment, I think that well, no matter what job you're doing, you, you do a better job. You, you don't have to worry about some of these other things. You're more relaxed. Uh, it, it's just, I think it goes a long way. Some, some of the schools do a great job. Diamond Bar High School comes to mind. Um, a few other schools, uh, even at the college level, uh, El Camino. I mean, there's just different schools that, again, they pay attention to details. And I think that's a tribute to some of the programs that have uh, some great success. Now, now, Danny, it wasn't the first time you worked some games over at Rio Hondo because you actually, you're, you're one of the guys I send over there kind of to kind of work some of the, the junior high tackle football league games. And so that was really all you had going into, oh yeah, Rio Hondo Prep. I know I, I work some of their junior high games. And I mean, are, are those kind of fun for you too? I know you, you're usually coming from a freshman or a JV game on Thursday to go work a Thursday night game there, you know, when I send you over there, but uh, you know, what can you tell me about uh, kind of working those games and, and kind of any interaction you have with the, the youth league over there? Exciting to work there. Cause knowing that that was a brand new facility and that we were going there to work those uh, games and very appreciative that you even think of me to go work those games. Uh, there's that care league that works out of works uh, works runs out of that league right there that facility. Mm -hmm. uh, I was fortunate to have one of my nephews play for the care league, and he's playing on that field one night. I show up. He he's not even knowing I'm going to be there, <laughs> and uh, the coaches here on the field are you know I decide to give the, my nephew a little bit of the business I like to say, and uh, I tell the one of the coaches, hey coach, will you tell your center to Stop holding. I've, I've seen it enough and I'm tired of it. 
And that coach went over there and he yelled at the center, who's my nephew, and tells him, you need to stop holding. And the other coach looks at him and says, coach, relax. That's his uncle. Leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Some funny connections there. <laughs> yeah, That's great stuff. But, but I like those games. Those are exciting games. Those are, once again, you know, the facility, the people that are there, great hosts. Uh, those games are, you know, fun to work to. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you and I are guys that will work anything really. I mean, freshman, JV, junior high, varsity, whatever, like we'll, we'll work the games. Uh, you're going to get a good effort. And again, working conditions, working environment, that's, uh, that's everything really. Uh, well, Danny, let me ask you this. Uh, something some people may not know about you is that you are, uh, you, you kind of have done some work with a television show, um, a t- television show called All American. Uh, it should be starting its third season here soon, but uh, y- you've been a part of some of the episodes there with the television show that is on the CW on Monday nights at eight o'clock. What, what can you tell me about how you got involved in uh, working on a television show and kind of what are some of your responsibilities there? You know, uh, I was fortunate one night, one day to get a phone call saying, hey, I need a fill-in to go uh, work a television show. And I was thinking, wow, how exciting would that be? So I, before he can probably put his phone down, I've already texted him saying, I accept. Uh, I get out there and uh, they're having us film. And, you know, I was kind of out of my element a little. They asked me if I could play a football official. So I said, hey, you know, you know, this might be a stretch, but I think I might be able to do that. So I had a little bit of fun with that. And, uh, you know, it was uh, fortunate enough to get some good TV uh, camera time on there. And one of the shots we had, they asked me, hey, what would an official do in this situation? I said, oh, you know, I would put the ball on the ground and back out of the way. And they said, okay, we want you to do that put the ball down and then stand up, blow your whistle and back out. So they say really action. I set the ball down and all I hear is cut, cut, cut. And I'm thinking, man, I, all I did was set the ball in the ground. The director <laughs> comes running up to me and he says, Hey, that is definitely not most flattering shot of you that we're going to, uh, we can film. So, we're going to try something different. You're going to turn to the side and set the ball on the ground and back out of the play. <laughs> so I'm thinking, you know, okay, this is fun. <laughs> so uh, that was a, that's, it's a blast. The show's based on a football player the, uh, that played high school in Crenshaw. They moved him over to Beverly to get him out of the element of uh, growing up in that neighborhood. And next thing you know, the kid gets a scholarship to play at the University of Oregon. Uh, fortunate enough to get on hooked up with an NFL team. Ends up winning two Super Bowl rings. So it's a, it's a fun story. Uh, they're about to start season three. Been fortunate enough to be in season one, season two, and hoping to work on season three. So oh, that's cool stuff. Really cool stuff. And it's you know, anytime I've seen officials on uh you know tv or film you know any movie or something i'm always like oh they would never do that okay they did that for the for the shot really so it's interesting to hear that you know they kind of uh i don't know had some different tv mechanics we'll say for your 
uh, for your episodes and kind of doing things that, uh, that, that asking you which, what, what a, an official would do. I think that's really good because sometimes, yeah, even the details of what they're wearing, I'm like, what? They, they spent all this money on this movie and they couldn't get the referee uniform right. I mean, come on. That's hilarious. That's really good stuff. Yeah, hopefully a season three, Danny. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm excited for it. You know, they kind of said, hey, we're going to start reading. So uh, after reading comes shooting. So yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah, great stuff. Well, we'll be sure to check that out at some point here to uh, look look for your uh, look for some of your footage because uh, we can say, yeah, we know that guy, uh, that referee on that television show. He was on the Get Home Safe podcast. So anyway, uh, well, well, Danny, kind of, well, as we kind of round third and get around, uh, get around third and home safe for the our episode here, uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about the NFL. Uh, you and your, your wife are big NFL fans, although two very different teams. And, and so what, how do you, how does your relationship, uh, how does it work, man? I mean, how do you're a Dallas Cowboy fans. She is a, a Raiders fan. Uh, she actually has experience working for the team when they were in LA. So, I mean, how does, uh, how does this love connection continue with two different NFL teams? Well, we always like to say our marriage has been interrupted by the football season <laughs> and, uh, and that, and, uh, we always say it's a black and blue uh, household, you know, the Raider black, the Cowboy blue. <laughs> that's great. So, uh, that's been one of the exciting things. Uh, since she did actually work with the Raiders, uh, our very first date was a Cowboy Raider game. No way. And, <laughs> and, and it ended up being in the years that the Cowboys won Super Bowls. So I was a happy guy. She's not so happy. So, <laughs> so and the funny thing, our first date, she told me, she goes, hey, and I didn't even know she worked for the Raiders. She goes, hey, I'll get us tickets to the game if you pay for us to uh, fly up to Oakland and uh, pay for a hotel and pay for the flight up. I'll, I'll pay for the tickets. Little did I know she worked with the Raiders and she got free tickets. <laughs> So she kind of duped me on that one. And uh, so, but I got the last laugh because actually the Cowboys ended up winning that game that day. And uh, it made for a fun date for me. I don't know so much for her. (laughs) That that is outstanding. That's a match made in heaven. I like the black and blue concept. That's great. Uh, So what exactly did she do for the LA Raiders, which even sounds weird to say, but uh, the LA Raiders, yes, at one point they were here. And uh, what what were uh, what, what did Trish do for him? Uh, she worked and uh, she helped with uh, the dressing of the Raiders. So she worked with the equipment manager, and uh, so she was able to dress the official. I mean, dress the uh, coaches, and uh, she set up their locker rooms, made sure they had a nice shirt, a nice pair of pants, their shoes for the day, and just set up their lockers. And uh, she was. She didn't realize what she was doing. She didn't know that, hey, I'm working for a professional football team. And when I tell her later, I said, people would die to be in that locker room. And she's (laughs) like, oh, no, that's just the guys. You know, that's just, you know, the coaches, you know, it ain't no big deal. So that was exciting for me, for her. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And she didn't know. She goes, "Oh, it's just, it's just the Raiders. That's yeah. all." <laughs> I'm sure you asked her all kinds of questions and uh, tried to get some stories out of it. Did she have any 
pretty cool memories from working for the Raiders or any, any big stories? And how she got started, one of the best stories was, is uh, she met the Raider equipment manager uh, and he wanted to introduce her to Steve Berline. Mm -hmm. So they set it all up for her to meet Steve Berline and uh, they set it up for a Saturday afternoon. She's going to come down, meet him. And uh, they ended up trading Steve to the, of all teams, the Dallas Cowboys the Thursday before. So she did not even get to meet him, but she ended up getting the job out of it. So I guess it worked out for her in the end. Yeah, it worked out for everybody, it sounds like. What, yeah. what an interesting story. Okay. Oh, for sure. Now, I've met Trish plenty of times. She's wonderful. You guys are great. Uh, always fun to, to chat football with you guys. I think last time we saw you was the national – no, the playoff games uh, in December, the college football playoff games. We kind of watched both games, and that was a fun day. Uh, well, Danny, what, what are some of your biggest memories as a Dallas Cowboy fan – you know, personally, I don't like the Cowboys or the Raiders, uh, but hey, I have friends. I, I have friends with different opinions and everything. I respect the Cowboys. I will say for me, one of my most fun trips I've ever done was last year going to Dallas with my brother, seeing that stadium, seeing the Rams play in that stadium. And yes, the Cowboys beat the Rams that day, but it was still one of the best experiences I've ever had in my life in watching a football game uh, against the Cowboys in Jerry's world. So what are some of your memories as a Dallas Cowboy fan? Those are, you know, them winning the Super Bowl. I was a Cowboy fan even as a kid. So I was fortunate enough to see the Cowboys win the Super Bowl in the 70s. Uh, and then again in the 90s when they won. But it was such a fun time. That stadium was unbelievable. Mm. Trish and I, one of our trips was to go to when that stadium opened, Thanksgiving Day, Raiders versus Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Oh. Her and I drive oh. there throughout the night to get there. We get there on a Saturday, fortunate enough to be part of the Raider organization. We get to do the tour of the stadium the night before the game. We walked around that stadium, and like you said, it was just, you know, the best experience of seeing as a Cowboy fan from a Raider getting to tour that stadium. <laughs> and once again, it was the Thanksgiving game. And I think I was on the winning side of that game too. So it made a, a nice trip home for me. And she drove us home. And I think she got us home in half the time that I got us there because she <laughs> didn't want to be in the car with me to hear, you know, hey, what was the score again of that game? Yeah. Who won that game? Because it was a long drive home. <laughs> it was the same way back uh, the flights Ontario last year. I mean, the whole way there, we left on a Thursday or Friday, I think. Yeah, Friday. And the flight Ontario to Dallas, direct flight, bunch of Rams fans, bunch of Cowboy fans. And then the flight home Monday, man, all the Cowboy fans are like, oh, I heard, I heard you guys all the plane ride here. I'm talking this entire flight home. I'm like, <laughs> oh, it's fun stuff. I, I love, I love uh, rivalries and sports. Just the, you know, friends argue. I said, I, we need sports back to unite us so that we can fight again. We can fight <laughs> over things. I mean, that's when I feel together with someone, you know, when we're arguing about our sports teams. 
you know, I always like to say, hey, I got five Super Bowl rings. <laughs> and then on the on the other end, I hear, well, you haven't had one in 20 years. <laughs> but I got five of them. I got five. <laughs> no, I hear you there. I hear you there. Yeah, that is always fun to me. That's the go-to. And I'm like, I, I said, you hear it from Laker fans all the time. Well, they've won. I'm like, we're not talking about the history. We're t- if, if, if it was about history, we'd hang the banners and be like, okay, you're better than them. Like, no, it's, you got to play the game at some point too. So, oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I think the Cowboys have a great history. I respect the franchise. I, I do root against them every Sunday, but Hey, to each his own. It's all good. It's all in respect. And uh, yeah, that stadium is, is unbelievable. Well, well, as we close here, Danny, We've had talked football the entire time, but there is one other sport that you really uh, have a big interest in. Uh, you're actually, or let's see, you were at some point, I believe you still are, a season ticket holder for our Los Angeles Kings. So w- what could you tell me about your, your Kings fan fandom, really, and, and being a season ticket holder? Oh, that is another one exciting sport. And I've been fortunate enough to uh, be a season ticket holder. I think this will, will would have been my... Uh, fourth season, and it still probably will be, but once again, push back. <laughs> so we are season ticket holders, Trish and I. Uh, we're very excited. I was able to go visit the Kings while they were winning their Stanley Cups. Uh, got hooked in it. Uh, Trish said, hey, I want to go see 10 games. Got her 10 games. She bought into it. We got half a season, and now we're full season ticket holders. And you know, we can't wait for the Kings to become royalty again, yeah. as they say. Because uh, uh, right now we're uh, probably the best <laughs> year right now. So yeah. uh, we're looking forward to some uh, winning days and better days. But we did end off winning like nine in a row when the season did come to a halt. So <laughs> once again, I go back to, hey, we won nine in a row. What did your team do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I got to see him in Vegas uh, right before the the lockdown and everything. That was all. And again, Kings beat the Kings beat the Golden Knights. It was a great day, great night. Uh, but yeah, I got to tell you, hockey's great, man. Especially going to games. Staples Center is a great place to watch a game. It's a little far from kind of where we're living these days, but uh, so much fun. That is a sport I think I would, if I were to ever outside of football, I'd love season tickets for football. But I would absolutely love to have season tickets in in hockey for sure. But I'll tell you what, Danny, if we don't get to a Kings game, let's at least get to an Ontario rain game. It's very close for both of us right up the street. I think we'd have a great time. And, you know, if we if we get to a Kings game too, that, that, that'd be great too. But I think the rain right up the street, I don't think we can pass that up. Yeah, no kidding. And you know what? That would be on my way to pick you up. And, you know, and uh, we might need an Uber, so we'll have to bring Trish along. Uh, she's a great D&D, so that would be great for all of us, you know. So. Oh, yeah. Who wants to pay for parking? Come on. Yeah, yeah we don't yeah, need to pay yeah. for parking. Yeah, we'll get dropped yeah. off. Oh, way more fun. Well, Danny, yeah. I really appreciate you uh, taking some time to – uh, spent, spent some time talking football with me. It's just, uh, it's a Friday night. I just really, we were recording on a Friday night, which is very fitting. It's six Oh nine right now. We should be walking on the football field, getting ready to officiate a high school game on a Friday night. Unfortunately, we'll just have to settle for talking about it. And, uh, man, that's all we can do. This episode will be out Monday, Danny, just so you know, and, uh, it should be a fun time. Uh, just, I don't know. It was talking more football when I get to see you very soon.
Thank you so much, Danny Cortez. That was a lot of fun catching up with you and chatting about some high school football and some football officiating in general. Uh, my best to you and Trish and the rest of the family. I hope to see you very, very soon. I know we got all these COVID restrictions and lockdowns and all kinds of things in 2020, but I hope we can catch up and chat very, very soon. Thanks again for joining us and getting our week started here on the Get Home Safe podcast. Well, guys, tomorrow is Tuesday, and we will going to be joined by Ginger Deemers. Ginger is probably better known as Ginger Lunny. Uh, her father, Gary Lunny, was a legendary football coach at Rio Hondo Prep, and Ginger herself was on the 1994 Girls Basketball CIF Championship team. Uh, going to chat about that a little bit. I will say that Ginger was actually one of my former teachers and somebody that really got me through some of the science classes over the years. She kind of started out her teaching career as I was uh, in the middle of my high school career, whether it was sophomore, junior year, somewhere in there. And Ginger really helped me get through some of the tough years in biology, chemistry, anything that ended in Y, basically. Uh, she got me through it and her her father um, you know, rest in peace, recently passed away, was a legendary football coach at Rio Hondo Prep, as well as a music teacher and Latin teacher and so many different other uh, avenues, really, that he contributed to. But Gary Lunny was most known for a football coach and a defensive coordinator, and so many different guests on this program have chatted about his contribution to, uh, to themselves and how he kind of made a lot of different young men into better men. And so we'll chat about that a little bit, but we're going to talk mostly about Ginger, her career path, her uh, contribution to teaching, much like her father, and uh, kind of fill in uh, some some uh, spots really about her uh, her time as a teacher, her time as a basketball coach at Real Hondo Prep, and just kind of catching up. Really, it's been a long time, and I look forward to you guys hearing our interview with Ginger Deemers tomorrow, also known as. Ginger Lunny back when she was a teacher of mine. She's got some stories. She's got some memories to share with you about Matt Hersema when he was just a 16, 17, 18 year old kid trying to get through science at the same time as, uh, you know, trying to, to uh, put all that aside and, and play some sports as well. So be sure to join us tomorrow for the interview with Ginger Deemers, also known as Ginger Lunny. A lot of fun subjects to talk about. Looking forward to you guys hearing that. I hope you can join us at your leisure anytime uh, after tomorrow morning as we move forward here on the Get Home Safe podcast. Well, guys, that will wrap up today's show. There's plenty of ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at Yahoo. Com. We love hearing from our listeners. Guys, I've got to say this. I didn't say this in the intro. I didn't say this really during the interview, but we are well over 10,000 total plays uh, ranging from our first episode to today's episode. So I'm very proud of that. And I know uh, you guys who have been loyal listeners, you know, you can uh, pump your fists in the air because you have contributed to uh, to that number. And I really appreciate everybody who has tuned in, whether it be uh, you know, once every couple of weeks or once a couple times a week or a couple times a week or just, you know, occasionally just tuning in. Whenever you listen to this podcast, we appreciate you. Our, our numbers continue to grow and we're looking forward to continuing 
those numbers to grow. So uh, be sure to join us tomorrow for Ginger Deemers. And and guys, uh, continue to send us questions. Send us feedback. We love the feedback. Whether it be just a hello message, whether it be a content suggestion, a question, whatever the case may be, we love hearing from you guys just like you hear from us Monday through Friday on the Get Home Safe podcast. And uh, we want you guys to kind of, uh, you know, push the, the narrative on the show. We want you guys to kind of, uh, you know, draw draw the route that we go. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you guys. There's plenty of ways, as I mentioned on the Get Home Safe podcast to listen to us. And there's lots of ways for you guys to contribute, to hear from us, to uh, reach out to us. And we look forward to hearing from you. If you look in the episode notes, there's ways to leave a voice message. And there's also other ways to uh, gather some information really about the podcast. So be sure to check out the episode notes as you listen to our program here on the Get Home Safe podcast. We would love to hear your voice on the Get Home Safe podcast put you in uh, you know in between segments if you will and just uh, get your feedback get your get your information whatever the case may be we love hearing voices uh, if you don't want to hear hear your voice on the program we get that we totally understand uh, send us an email contact us through social media I say that every episode but we want you guys to feel comfortable and reaching out to us and I know Bill Barnes who's here every single Wednesday well except for last week but uh, we made up for it I think uh, on Saturday we put out a Bill Barnes episode on Saturday if you have not had an opportunity to listen to that be sure to go back check it out click uh, click play and, and give Bill Barnes a listen I know he wasn't here free on Wednesday but we put him out free on Saturday and then moving forward I'm very hopeful that we will continue to put out episodes with Bill Barnes on the weekly Wednesday weigh-in, the retired police officer and retired uh, college baseball umpire. Get his uh, strong opinions, random thoughts, whatever the case may be. That's our plan. So be sure to tune in on Wednesdays. And if you have any questions for Bill Barnes, well, hey, send those out to us Tuesday morning by some point. I generally record with Bill on Wednesdays, or I should say Tuesdays, to get our episodes out for Wednesdays, uh, probably Tuesday afternoon. So if you have any questions, comments, whatever, you want to tell Bill he's dead wrong, you want to ask me a question uh, with Bill Barnes, you want to ask Bill a question, whatever it is, just send us that information by Tuesday morning. It can come in Monday or Sunday. It's all good. Whenever you send us that information, just be sure to note to us who it is for and when it should be, uh, you know, uh, noted, we should say. So anyway, we'll wrap it up here. Thank you so much for joining us today. Great way to start off the week. Danny Cortez, a lot of fun. Ginger Deemers, looking forward to hearing your interview tomorrow. And guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe.